back to the protectors podcast i have an absolutely incredible guest he's been on the show man i think one of my first 20 guests yeah yeah yeah. 20 oh man it's been like episode like 20 now we're on 370 or 380 something remy welcome to the show brother hey man thanks for having me on i could talk about your book and your life all day long man but what i really want to talk about is something that it, it, it hit me pretty good today man I watched it today. I wanted to be fresh. I didn't watch it before. I saw the preview, and I am—I'm—I'm I'm literally blown away, brother. This was—it was more than a short. And when it was over, I was like, "I need more, man." Yeah. The unexpected. Let's talk about the unexpected. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, a human trafficking film, uh, specifically organ harvesting. Um, you know, when people hear the term human trafficking, they automatically go to sex trafficking. That's what most people think. They just think sex trafficking but they don't know that there are multiple facets of human trafficking, sex trafficking being one of them, organ harvesting, which the film focuses on, forced marriage, labor, uh, trafficking as it relates to drugs. Uh, I interviewed a guy a few weeks ago, about a month ago, who was lured from Venezuela to the Mexican border and uh, with the promise that he would be smuggled into the U.S. And instead he was abducted by a a gang and they put him in a house with uh, about 100 other traffic victims who were also lured to Mexico and, and the kids were used as mules to move drugs in. Um, that's another form. There's a recent story out of uh, Cambodia where a guy from China was uh, abducted and uh, he was blood trafficked, <laughs> you know, where they essentially hooked him up to, to IV, to blood drawing device and just kept on drawing his blood, giving him food, drawing his blood. So there's so many different forms and facets of human trafficking. Um, sex trafficking is what's focused on the most. And organ harvesting, which is a massive, massive illegal enterprise, is so grossly underlooked that that's why I decided to make the film that this is real. This happens. It happens globally. Uh, Americans uh, are, are do travel to other countries to purchase organs on the black market when they're desperate. This happens, and and that's how all of this this film kind of started. Just trying to create awareness. You hit the nail on the head, man. Right when you talk about trafficking, everybody thinks sex trafficking, and then it's forced labor, it's labor trafficking. Um, but the thing is, any commodity, yeah, yeah. any commodity, people, you know, you and I grow, we grew up with a moral compass. You yeah, know, yeah. you might have to do some stuff here and there, but you, you know, we have a, a pretty solid moral compass. But some people just don't understand that if it makes money, they're going to yeah. do it. Yeah. If they're going to use a body for organs, they're going to use a body, like you said, for blood, for sex, for labor, for using children. Everything is a commodity to these people. And that's yeah. why, like, when I watch this today, I'm like, you know, I'm like me, I'm, I'm very, I'm vested in the, in the trafficking business when it comes to like sex trafficking and labor trafficking and everything, just based on my background. Yeah. But when you think about the organ trafficking and when you watch your short, it puts it all into perspective because I'm not going to tell. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell because we're, it's it got picked up. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But it has a, a reverse chronology type feel yeah. thing to it, which is unique. Yeah. And it caught me off guard. And I was like, huh, yeah. it all comes back. Yeah. So did you. So when you're writing this stuff and you're directing it, how did you come up with that concept? You know, the reverse concept came out of the idea that this is a tough pill to swallow. 
you know, when you hear any type of human trafficking, it's just like, it's a horrific story. And, you know, in the film world, there's always this happy ending, right? Like in the movie Taken, you know, like at the end, you know, Liam Neeson rescues his daughter, right? And the bad guys are killed, right? But in reality, that's not always, like 99% of the time, that's not the case. You know, it's not the case that, you know, the victims get rescued and the bad guys get, you know, sent to hell, you know? That just doesn't happen. And so, and I wanted to keep this film as authentic to the real events as possible. But in knowing that there's not a happy ending and in knowing that this is a tough pill to swallow, I figured that the best way to make it palatable to an audience is to tell it backwards. Because if, if, if the if the viewers can see the victim alive at the end, then that, and even in our minds, like when I was writing it, it kind of tricks my mind into thinking, oh, you know, like she was, last time we saw her on screen, she was alive, you know? Um, it's still heart-wrenching, but in my opinion, I'm, it makes it more palatable. I think that it would have been a, a harder pill to swallow if you start from the traditional beginning and tell it in a linear fashion. I mean, you have watched the film, so you know the story, and tell that from front to, front to back. And so that was one of the re- main reasons why I decided to do it. And uh, the inspiration, and I don't even want to say the inspiration, part of the inspiration for it was the film Memento. So um, I had watched that film years ago, and Chris, I think that was the first time, I can't think of another film, but I think that that was the first time where that method of reverse storytelling was, was used. And it was in the back of my, my mind. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to take momentum and do this, but the seed had definitely been planted. And that worked. And in the same, but part of the, another part of the reason why that worked and the reason why I wanted to use it was because it creates this investigative type feel where the audience is, is having to follow, pay attention, right? But then also follow, you know, the uh, this this character, or in this case, this heart, and, and kind of just gradually discover where it came from and then where this person came from. So it makes you more vested. And when I was shooting the film, to me, and I told my DP this, the 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 audience is a character in the film and they're the lens. So they're like, I wanted it to be shot in a way where it's like, you're actually part of the film. You're seeing this take place. So you're investigating it. So that's kind of, sorry, no, I was a bit long winded, but then short, that's kind of how it all came together. Now, I think it, it, it has a memento feel to it. Yeah. Memento. I, that was one of the, I absolutely love that movie, man. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but this was different. It, it felt yeah. different. And the thing is you can't really tell, there is no real protagonist in this movie, but you're watching the antagonist, yeah. the main bad guy, and you're like, um, is he good? Is he bad? And then you're like, uh, you know what? It all comes down to the money. And then they, you try to get related to him. Then you're like, man, this dude's evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he is, man. I mean, good acting, too. I mean, very yeah. good acting. And, yeah. you know, the victim, when you watch it in the order that you did yeah. or that you do yeah. and you see the victim and you're like, oh, my gosh, man, this is this is horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody, you know, if you're watching this, it's on YouTube now. I mean, you could yeah. pause the, you could pause this interview and go and watch it because what we're gonna, what I want to talk about next is like, you know, you, a little bit more about your background because there are some really great things since the last time we talked. But I do want to say this: I was reading the uh, the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, yeah. 
Gerard Butler's G Bay Sports Remy Adelike's human yeah. trafficking thriller, Unexpected Redemption. Yeah. yeah. What's up with that, man? That's some big news right there, huh? Yeah, so that's gonna um that's gonna uh it's a feature film. I'm writing it's already been written. Uh I finished writing it back in May. Uh the story picks up five years after the events of the short film, so it's it's a continuation of the short film. Obviously, there's uh, a to be continued at the end of the film for a reason. Um, and uh, this is going to be more in the vein of because it's Hollywood and because, you know, it's uh, you got to have that three act structure and you, you got to have those elements that draws people in. There is an action thriller element to it. Um, there is also this, you know, it's called redemption for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Because there will be redemption, and it won't be uh, it won't be carried out in a nice way. So, and hence action thriller. So that's, but I, I still try to um, I still try to make it keep it. I mean, it's based the victims' story are based on true events. The organ harvesting ring is based on that the true events as well. But as far as like the characters and the you know and the storyline about these guys going to burn down this organ harvest. Then obviously that's fictional. Um, and, and I needed that device in order to make it more palatable and, and, and in order for people to be like, yes, the good guys are taking out the bad guys type thing. So um, yeah, we're about to, we're, you know, we're close to closing our financing. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a $35 million film. It's not going to be a little cheap short film. And, uh, and we'll, we, we, we will, currently working out our filming location um and uh and some other cool things so yeah man that's that's i'm excited about it and you know when i made the film i didn't make the short film with the hopes oh i want this to be a big film like i put the to be continued in there because i knew that this is again it's based on true events and and i'm not sure if you had a chance to read the description uh on the film page don't want to spoil it and give it away for somebody who hasn't watched the film yet but an, an event took place August uh, 3rd, 2014, in a particular country. Um, there was a genocide that was carried out. The UN recognized it as a genocide. U.S. Car- uh, Congress, bipartisan, recognized it as a modern genocide. The men were killed, the women were taken, and they were enslaved. And, and what happened to some of the females and males, kids, is portrayed in the film and, 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 you know, it's, it's still ongoing. A lot of the victims still has, haven't been rescued. So, uh, you know, I say that to say in, in the feature film, we're going to have, you know, explore what happens to one of the victims that's in the short film, what has happened to that victim five years later, you know? And, uh, so yeah. Well, that's the greatest thing about making, getting into the film world. Now you've been a protector. You've been and everybody knows you're a former Navy SEAL. You've you've deployed into combat. You've done a lot for our nation. You've done a lot for the world. Now, the other thing is like when you're in this in this new realm, this new roles that you've been in, because it's not just a film. It's you're bringing awareness that issues that need to be highlighted, to be spotlighted. And normal people don't know about this stuff. If you're not within this community, sometimes you don't realize that like the world does have some pretty evil aspects to it and you could be part of the good and that's what i really liked about this one and i really you know as like i said as someone who's like i've talked about trafficking so much i want people to understand about it i want people to understand the victims 
Yeah. And I want people to understand how we can dismantle these organizations. So I, I'm more power to you, brother. Yeah. And it's, and again, it's, it's one big, I forgot the point I was trying to make it at the end of my long soliloquy, but uh, the point of this, this film was it wasn't made in order for me to make a feature film. It wasn't made for me to, you know, get like, I put 150,000 of my own cash into making this film, you know, uh, which I'll never get back. And I, and I didn't make it with the intent to get, get it back. I made it with the intent of breeding awareness of the realities of human traffic. Or I knew nothing about it. You know, I, you know, I, when I got out of the military in 2016, I was just searching for different ways to serve. I still felt that pulse to serve. And, you know, I did different things. I went to prisons. I went to, I did, you know, uh, inner city schools and all of these different things. And then, you know, one thing that kept coming my way was human trafficking. You know, I was contacted by one nonprofit called Without Permission uh, to help out with a rally that they were doing that based out of Sacramento. And I, I didn't even know that there was a huge human trafficking issue up in Sacramento. And then I got contacted by another human trafficking nonprofit, actually the, the owner of In-N-Out Burger, Lindsay. She has one called Slave Nothing. And it, people just kept on reaching. And again, I was totally unconscious of it. And, you know, because of what you hear in, in media and the news, like I didn't know if it was real and all like I, like, I didn't know anything about it. But, you know, when I finally went overseas with a nonprofit, uh, and it focuses on human trafficking and saw and then would read the statistics and saw the pictures and see that and that's when I was just like, oh, my God, I didn't know. Like this is and I hate even using the word human trafficking. I don't think that that's the word that should be used. Yeah, I agree. It's modern slavery. I yeah, think it is. Trafficking is like the PC clean way. And I think when people hear that, then it makes it more acceptable to them. Oh, it's just human trafficking. But no. it's actually modern slavery. And that's the, that's the, it's slavery. And that's the hardest yeah. part. So I just wanted, that's why I wanted to make the film because I was unconscious of the realities of it. I didn't believe that it was real. And, but as I dive deeper into the world and realized that this is real and saw it firsthand, I mean, when I was in DR with a nonprofit, you know, I was in a specific village where the parents would sell, and not village, slum, excuse me, slum, where the parents would sell their daughters to traffickers. Uh, and the traffickers would take them to the northern part of DR so Americans and other Westerners could come have sex with these underage 15, mm-hmm. 12-year-old girls. And when I saw that, I was just like, oh, my God, this is horrific. You know, and so, again, main reason point for the film is to just wake other people up and show them, hey, dude, like, I like I don't own a nonprofit. I'm not making any money from this film. I'm not trying to make any, any money from this film. Like, I'm just making this film to breed awareness. I don't have a nonprofit where it's like, donate to me and none of that stuff. It's just, hey, you need to be aware of it because it happens, you know? Now, there was one part in the movie, too, where there's two sisters, and one of them, they, uh, one of the traffickers say, is she a virgin? Yeah, yeah. Because, oh, we got a market for that. It's a commodity. Yeah. Everything's yeah. a commodity. Yeah. And when you bring up the girls and the kids and the sex, it's industrialized rape. Yeah, yeah. You're, sell- you're selling rape. Yeah. I mean... And it's harsh. It's that's why nobody wants to talk about it because it's yes. it's harsh to think about. And when you see it firsthand, like you did, you're like. But then you think about the people that are buying them. You yeah. know, you think yeah. about these 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 men and women, mostly men. You know that yeah. going out there and buying little kids, man. Yeah, yeah. It, it's sickening and it's evil. Yeah, yeah. that's it's absolutely Ugh. it's absolutely disgusting. Um, it's something that needs to be. Smash, and it's a global issue. Mm-hmm. It's a global issue because it's such a global. It's, I mean, in America alone, it's about a thirty to thirty-five billion dollar industry. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
uh, over globally, it's $150 billion issue, you know, a, a revenue maker for bad guys. So it's about to surpass the drug trade. I, you know what, bro? I've, I've worked the drug trade. I've worked, I've been a fed for 22 years and uh, seven different agencies, probably. I don't even know anymore. Seven different badges over the years. But the thing is, you know, I've worked drugs. I've worked human trafficking. I've worked human smuggling. The thing is, we don't have an agency. We have domestic trafficking happening here. We have it overseas, but it's such a prevalent. Every small town has some sort of trafficking going on. The yeah. domestic trafficking, people don't realize domestic trafficking. How come we don't have a federal agency? We have the DEA. We have the ATF. We have Homeland Security, but we don't have anybody specifically focused on human trafficking yeah. and not just not just going after the organizations and the people doing it, but having victim awareness and getting yeah. these victims and making them survivors I mean thrivers, and getting them out there, man. We need we yeah. need it. And we without having awareness, it's never going to happen. A hundred percent. And we need it on, on that aftercare. You know, yep. so absolutely, man. Here in the U.S., you know, even people who've made it into the U.S., who were trafficked and escaped, you know, we need some type of aftercare program, some type of work. There's a lot of nonprofits that, that do the work. There's a lot of nonprofits that don't do the work. There's a lot of nonprofits out there that just collect money. And, they pictures, and yeah, it's a branding thing. And they put up, look at what we did. Mm-hmm. Look at what we and they did absolutely nothing. And they just collect the money. And percent uh. of the money that they get is going to payroll. 10% is actually going to doing the work. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes, that's disgusting. That's even more, I mean, that's, in my opinion, a form, you're, you're trafficking, you're using traffic victims and you're trafficking them again to essentially make money for your nonprofit. And so there are a lot of nonprofits who are out there doing aftercare and doing the work, and there's, but there's a whole lot that are not. Mm-hmm. You know? And so we need a reliable government entity to step into your point and we need to just whether it's called, I don't know what it's called, the HTA, the Human Trafficking Agency. Yeah. We need that oversight and it needs to be governed, you know, with, with great people, people who have the passion to fight this thing. Because you can't rely on nonprofits, in my opinion. They are great nonprofits. I know. It's such an issue. And you don't know who to trust. It's hard to know. You don't know who to trust. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing, too, about nonprofits is listen, the only one that could put a trafficker in jail is law enforcement. Yeah. You can go say you're going to do whatever, but law enforcement is the one and they need to build cases and they need to put them in jail. Now helping the victims afterwards. Yeah, absolutely, man. Or helping law enforcement with intelligence based products and stuff like that. One of the organizations I've, I've worked with a lot in the past for a lot of my news articles and stuff like that is deliver fund just because they provide intelligence snapshot and they're not out there saying, Hey, you know what? Your money's going to go, knock down doors no our, your money's going to go to provide intelligence snapshot yeah. so they you can get these traffickers I- this episode brought to you by ranger point precision do you have a lever action you're going to get a lever action when you do have that lever action in your hand make sure you upgrade it with ranger point precision parts now i just upgraded my henry 44 put a new foreign in it and it is so incredible. I mean, it, it shoots like a masterpiece already. But now I have the option to putting other upgrades on it with M-Lock. There is so much going on with Ranger Point Precision. You have to see what they have going on for your lever action. From Rossi, from Henry, from Marlin, they have what you need for your lever action. So make sure you check out rangerpointprecision.com now. I do want to transition now into, into you. Because, man, we could talk about trafficking all day long. And I want everybody to pause, go watch The Unexpected, come back. 
because now we're going to get into something that's really cool and it's the remy the brand yeah. you know you you've you're a brand brother you have a lot going on behind the scenes you're hustling 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 some people hustle for like you know you know they go out they they do a couple social media posts they say look at me i'm a i'm a vet bro i'm a bro i'm this i'm that now you're 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 hustling man you got i want to talk about the clothing brand yeah, because I'm watching SEAL Team last week, and I'm like, I know that brand. On the cameras. <laughs> uh huh. The the shirt Remy has is a process outcome. Greater than outcome. Yeah. 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 I mean. Don't try to throw that greater than less than because I can never figure that out. <laughs> I may be Doctor Piccolo, but I can't figure yeah. some things out, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. So what's up with the clothing brand, man? This is really cool. Yeah, you know, I was in. I was sitting on my couch about two years ago. It was May of twenty. 20, I want to say 2021, no, maybe not 2021. I was sitting on my couch and I was just like, I, you know, because I do the social media posts, you know, with quotes and people always, you know, hit me back. Oh, I needed that today. Thank you so much for that message. I was like, man, what if, what if I, we did quotes like that and just put them on the shirts? And like, I know everybody's trying to do a clothing line, but you know, just see where it goes. If it doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't go anywhere. But if it helps one person, it helps one person. And so, you know, me and my business partner, Brad, we met. You know, we, uh, you know, we just jumped head on and we started out with solutions greater than excuses. That was our first one. And that was actually from a social media post I did like two, three years ago that like blew up and everybody was sharing it. And uh, and then, you know, we just started doing other ones. Only God can cancel me, process greater than outcome, unlimited potential, time of paid man. And we have a great designer and uh, and, you know, it, it, it's it's gone to where it is now. What we do sometimes because the Kejo, the name of the brand is called Kejo, or the website is KejoWay.com. And, and, and our idea is Kejo in Yoruba, because I'm Yoruba, means the eighth. And so, you know, for us, it's like Kejo is the, the, the eighth wonder of the world, is a people group, is when a group of people rise up and become the inspiration, motivation, and education uh, to others. And so our brand is all about inspiring, motivating, and educating through wear, you know, and We've had people who've reached back out to us and said, I was walking down the street and I had all my process greater than outcome and my solutions greater than excuses. And somebody looked at us and looked at the shirt and was like, that's a great shirt. Oh, man, that's such a great message. I, it helped me. And we're just like, awesome, because that was the idea behind the brand is to be a walking billboard of inspiration, education, and motivation. And that's that's the science behind it. And, you know, another way we try to get back to where is like we'll partner with different nonprofits or events, or it maybe even we'll just pick a month and we'll just say, hey, you know, a portion of each sale is going to go to, you know, homeless kids. So we did that, homeless kids. We did like a portion is going to go to hurricane relief. Another portion, like our recent one was Lantern Rescue, which is a human trafficking nonprofit. We uh, did an event up in LA and, and, and part of the portion of every sale went to Lantern Rescue, which is even so. So that's, it's about giving back. It's not just about, it's not about selling shirts and making money. That's a part of it. But a big part of it is like actually doing something nah. and being an asset to society. Bro, I'm looking at your website right now. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like Googling right here. I'm like, holy shit. This isn't regular print on demand stuff. It's like, you know, I me, mean, I wear on my own print on demand thing just to, for the yeah. podcast stuff. But this is, this is some high quality stuff. I love this shirt, yeah. man. Time yeah. to pay the man and the man. Yeah. To pay, I am. I like yeah. this stuff, man. It's not print on demand at all. We have we've worked with another CEO out here, um, Ryan. Uh, I forgot his last name, but uh, he's a former CEO. He's been in a he's been in the apparel uh, game for a long period of time. So he helped us get off off the ground. And then our designer was a uh, is uh, like 
was like one of the head designers for Dr. J's. So yeah, we got a great team, man. Great I, you know, I'm definitely buying one of these, man. These are good. And they fit good. You know how I know they fit good? Because I saw it on SEAL Team. Oh, yeah, yeah, That yeah. must have been pretty awesome to see that right. on, on, a bit on the screen, man. Yeah, this is our second season on the show. Last season, Process Greater Than Outcome was a big uh, period, and we sold tons of shirts, man. Uh, and then this this year, Process on it. And this season, Process on it again. And then Unlimited Potential. And then we, I think the tank top of hoodies might pop on it as well. But yeah, man. Awesome. I might have to get it. You know, I might be rock. I'll be rolling around DC with a tank top on, man. Yeah, I don't know about go. that. I'm going to get one of these process outcome shirts, though. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The other cool thing I see, you know, what show I, I've really gotten addicted to is who dares wins. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I love those shows, man. How did you get hooked up with that? And you had my boy Rudy on there. Yeah, Rudy Reyes. Yeah, you know, he reached out to me, I want to say, like, two years ago uh, and asked me if I'd be open to coming on the show. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I went through the interview process and didn't get it. And then I was uh, actually in L.A. working on Terminal List last summer, July, and they reached back out to me and they said, hey, you know, we know we know we reached out to you a year ago and it didn't work out, but would you be interested in uh, coming back on? And I said, sure. And uh, went through a small interview process this time and then got the job and, uh, you know, went out to Jordan and shot two seasons of it. Um, so that that's kind of how it all came together. It's a fun show. What I like about the show is that it's not – it's not like a competition. It's, I don't even want to call it like an unscripted. It's like factual documentary style because you take these people and the UK does like a civilian season and celebrity season. Celebrity season is airing now. The civilian season aired in like April. And you're just putting them in a really, really hard situation consistently. And and you're, you're helping them work through some traumas. Like we had people in the civilian series where a girl, she was raped when she was three years old by a stepbrother. Another girl, her brother committed suicide right in front of her. Sorry, her dad committed committed suicide right in front of her, hung herself. Another girl, same thing. Her another guy, his daughter was raped and then she committed suicide. So you're dealing with people who are going through great traumas, even to celebrity season. You're dealing with people going through great traumas, and you're able to work through them. It's almost like a therapy. You bring them into these interrogations and they share their story and there's tears. Uh, all the time for them and then you get to help them work through it and then when they're out on the training field you're able to kind of teach them you know mental tools use use physical tools to drive home those intellectual lessons or points that you talk about in the interrogation room so it's a very very it's it's no show like this there's no prize at the end nobody gets a million dollars there's no way to you know Donate X amount of dollars to your charity if you're a celebrity. This is a pure self-development, self-help course. And the cameras are just there to record. I mean, on our camp, we have, like, cameras, hidden cameras everywhere. So you don't even realize that the cameras are going. You're just, and stuff just gets picked up. And uh, that show got picked up in the U.S., no pun intended. And uh, uh, so it's going to be airing on Fox this January. Now, you're going to be part of the one in the U.S.? Yeah, we already shot it. We shot oh, it. That's it. awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, we already shot it. They already did a big press release. Uh, it's going to air. First episode is going to air in uh, in January. It's going to be huge. Fox is anticipating this is going to be because the biggest show on network TV now is Mass Singer. So they're anticipating oh, yeah. this is going to be uh, bigger, you know, as big, if not bigger than Mass Singer, just because of the, you know, how raw. I mean, it's brutal. I mean, it's brutal. Like and and the UK version has been around for about eight years and it's a mm-hmm. it's very 
brutal. I mean, you've had people like break arms, break, and I thought Fox would dial back and say, hey, you can't do this and that. And they were like, hey, glove stays off. We want that raw feel. And so it was raw. You had, you had people break bones, celebrities break bones and, you know, uh, other crazy stuff happens. So it's going to be eye-opening. It's going to be very eye-opening. I love it, brother. Um, so everybody, you have to realize that you haven't been out in the public eye for that long. Yeah. I mean, your book transformed. What year did that come out? Uh, 2019. Yeah. You got out of the seals in 2016. Yeah. This is a really in, in the, the terms of thing, this is like kind of a short term. This is a short phase, man. You know, yeah. this is, but you've been hustling, man. You have been like, and that's what I mean. I'm like, it feels like it's been like 10 years since you came on the show. Like you've done so much. Yeah. But everybody, you do really need to check out the book transformed as well. Yeah. I really, I really dig that book a lot. You've also, your book does detail your life. You've had it, you had a very intense life, yeah. but what, what you've done, what you transformed and when you transitioned into this new phase, you've been around some of the best. So when you're making a movie like the unexpected, yeah. you've been around some of the best in Hollywood yeah. and it's so cool. Actually. I mean, look, you just got off the terminal list. You've been around, um, Transformers, Ambulance. What else? I mean, your resume yeah. outside of being a former whatever. Yeah. And I, I say that in jest because so many people are a former something, but you're not. You're like, boom. Yeah. You're not yeah, like yeah. ramping Hollywood. Now, you know, for me, it's like when I got out, I wanted to make sure that I can do something. I would be able to do something that didn't rely on me having been a Navy SEAL. You know, something that I could have never been a Navy SEAL and still been able to do. I don't want to always be, I don't, and I don't like being remembered as a Navy SEAL. Now, when I die, I don't want people to be like, oh, he read, read me just a Navy SEAL, right? Like, I love that I'm a writer. I wrote my yeah. book. I didn't have a ghostwriter co-worker. I'm a writer. You know, I wrote, I just wrote, I just signed a, uh, well, not just last year, I signed a three book deal for a fiction thriller series. Uh, and uh, I just turned in book one about a month ago, and that's going to release next year. I wrote that book, you know? Um, director, I direct. Like, I want to be known as, hey, Remy's a writer. Remy's a director. Remy's an actor. Uh, Remy, you know, I started my my school that's already open in Muskegon, Michigan, my charter yeah. school for inner city kids. Remy's a, you know, co-founder of a school. And yeah, Remy was a SEAL. Like, that's what I want on my, on my headstone. Not Remy was a Navy SEAL. I never want to rely on the fact that I was a SEAL. Uh, because that was that was part of my life, but that's not the whole of who I am. And 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 that's and and, and I I think like you know and this is not a hit on anybody that any other seals or anything like that. But you do get a lot of seals that talk about motivation and getting after it and doing this and doing that. And and for me, in my opinion, that's easy. For, that's easy for a seal to say. Yeah, you, you, you know, you've been through seal training. Yeah, you became a seal. Yeah, you went overseas. You did that. Yeah, it's, it's easy to say to somebody else, like, be motivated, get up and, and do this, do that. But time has passed for me. Like, I did this SEAL training over, de you know, decades ago, you know, a decade ago, over a decade ago, right? I was a SEAL, you know, almost a decade ago, right? Like, and it's like, that's, that's in the past, but how am I challenging myself now? And I think that the more I can challenge myself in a new realm now, then I can, you know, talk about the importance of being motivated and getting up every day and, 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 you know, finding inspiration and doing things with excellence and not quitting and all that. I could talk about that because in the film, the film and TV industry is hard. 
And I have to apply those principles that I learned in the SEAL teams in the film and TV industry. I have to apply those principles that I learned in the SEAL teams as a writer, as a speaker, as an actor, all of these other, as an entrepreneur, all these different businesses that I run. I have to apply those principles. And it's easy for me to teach those principles to other people. I was just, I just spoke at a, a pharmaceutical company about, a, about three weeks ago. And one thing I was saying was that it's easier for me to teach those principles as it relates to, let's just say, uh, 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 facing adversity as a team. Yeah, I had to do SEAL. But pharmaceutical company, you guys are never going to be Navy SEALs. So how can I teach that principle to you the way that you understand? Well, I can relate facing adversity as a team in my business as in Kejo. I can talk about that and how I had to take that lesson from the SEAL teams and apply it in my shirt business. Or I had to take that lesson in my SEAL teams and have to apply it in my, my entertainment business or apply it on a movie set. And now I can also, I can give you up-to-date examples as to how you could apply it in your pharmaceutical You know, so again, I, I like to be diverse. I like to get away from the SEAL thing mm-hmm. and be the guy that's doing stuff that, 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 I could still be doing if I was never a SEAL, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. You you hit a, so much of what you just said hits a lot to what I my philosophy is like. Look, I'm a former. I'm next year will be 30 years since I put on a uniform, yeah. and I'm going to be transitioning. I have 80 something days till I'm eligible to retire from the government. Congrats. I've had so many things, brother. I've had so many different former titles, former captain, former this, former everything. But it doesn't matter what I used to be. It doesn't matter how great and how fit I was when I was in my 20s or my 30s or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's what I'm doing now. My goal is when I'm 50 to do things I never imagined. Yesterday, I rocked the – was it yesterday? Yeah, I rocked the Army 10-miler yesterday. No, the day before. I got a 100-mile bike ride coming up. I just signed up for the Baton Death March. You know, I'm doing – things that like i don't want to be like a former anything i want to be like 50 bam i'm still going to be going i'm going to be kicking ass i'm going to be the best shape of my life when i'm 50 you know why not why i you know you could use the former titles for clarification or to say okay i understand i understand what you went through because i've had the same or hey you know what what i'm doing now is my inspiration and you know what i don't even know where to start when i interview man because i forgot you have the charter school you have this you have that man but We'll save that for another day, but you, I'm really excited about your future, man. I'm buying me a buying me a shirt today. I'm gonna be waiting for the. I'm gonna be one of those. Ba- I'm gonna be a background guy in that movie, man. I don't care yeah, what yeah. I have to pay my own way. Yeah. I'm gonna be the guy in the back. I'll be like the henchman number seventeen. Yeah. It's gonna wow. be great, man. But no, I'm really excited about this movie. I'm really excited about what you got going on about the clothing and everything. It's a different hustle, man, and it's yeah. authentic. It's yeah. authentic. I don't see you out there doing like the brovet crap and all this other stuff. It's not about you. It's about your mission and your mission is you're, you're a huge family, man. I love that about you. And, but you're also supporting the people that work with you. You know, you have people working with you. You're not doing it yourself and you're not shining the light on yourself. And I love that about you, brother. And I'm, I'm here to support you and I'm here to support this movie. Everybody, you really need to what for one, go back and read Remy's book. Go all we go to go to the old days scene because if you let me let me just read the title to the book. Hopefully, I, I still have it up here on my Amazon cart. You know, you read the title of your book. It's a long title, but it's a good one. Oh, man. Man. It looks right, uh, right there. Uh, okay. Transformed uh, a Navy SEAL's unlikely journey from the throne of Africa to the streets of the Bronx and defying all odds. Bam! 
I mean, it's it's not an easy life, man. You really read the book. Watch this short. Absolutely watch the short. I'm still thinking about it now, man. Usually I watch something and I'm like, eh, whatever. But yeah. this one, that, whoever that main actor dude was, was pretty good, man. That dude, yeah, Dustin. man. I got to get him he's on the show. Time, man. He's good. He's a former SEAL. Oh, no way. Really? Yeah. yeah he's he's got to get that dude on the show, man. He's good. Yeah. And then uh, he's a director, too. He just directed a short film on about PTSD, I believe. Oh, um, sure. And then uh, uh, another seal in there is um, uh, Gonzo, the guy who played the EMT. Okay, yeah. yeah. He never acted a day in his life. He was just like, I was like, man, I saw, I saw a picture of him one day on Soldier. I was like, dude, you need to be the EMT. You need to be my EMT. And he's like, <laughs> I never acted. I don't want to mess up your movie. I was like, you'll be fine, bro. I'll direct you you did a good job. Man. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody, make sure you fo- make sure you go there. You like, subscribe, and share the message, and then uh, just support everything you got going on. I do want you to um, just really—you don't have to do quick or whatever. But tell me about the charter school and how people can support that, because yeah. I think that's a really cool thing, man. Yeah. So the charter school is in Muskegon, Michigan. Uh, it's called uh, Maritime uh, uh, Muskegon Maritime Academy slash ops academy ops is opportunity plus preparedness equals success uh it's right in the it's, muskegon michigan is a very depressed um inner city uh crime poverty a lot of single uh parents a lot of kids in that area without dads i wouldn't i actually went out there for the first time like around 2009 uh the guy my co-founder of the school uh, Franklin, he reached out to the SEAL teams and said, hey, can I have a SEAL come speak at my boxing club? And uh, long story short, I ended up going up there and speaking to all of these kids and uh, me and Franklin maintained a relationship. So when he gave up the boxing club to focus on charter, starting the charter school, he reached out to me and asked if we could co-found it together. So we did. And uh, our, our goal is to be able to give to the community, give back to the community through education because knowledge is power. And we want to give the kids a good education. We're working with them on maritime themed skills because Muskegon is on the Great Lakes. So there's so many jobs um, that some of these kids, once they graduate high school, if they don't want to go to college, they could fall into. But because they don't have the skill sets in the background or, or, or know of the path on how to get there, you know, they uh, they typically don't. So it's just, you know, it's a, it's, it's a way to give back to the community and, you know, and put put my money where my mouth is because you get you know you get a lot of talk on the news and politics saying you know America's this America's that nobody does it's like okay what are you doing you know at the end of the day what are you doing and so I didn't want to be the person that's pointing the finger at, at you know the government or pointing the finger at at whoever I wanted to be the person that's like you know what solutions greater than excuses like one of my shirts say you know what's I can't keep coming up with excuses. What's the solution? The solution is starting a school. Start small. And, you know, we got 65 kids in class, actually 70 in class right now as we speak. Uh, and we're, our plan is as the school grows, we want to expand because we started out K to five. We want to expand all the way to high school. And then we want to expand to other inner cities across America. We want to do ops, uh, you know, Bronx, ops Compton, ops South Side of Chicago, ops and all these places so that we could be the solution to some of these problems and that part of the solution is education because if kids can get a better education then then they will be more inclined to go to college, more inclined to, you know, get a better job because they go to college. So that's my way of giving back to the same inner city cities that I've come from and I grew up in, you know, you know, what really hits with this 
you and I, you, you touched on it before about the nonprofits. You don't know where the money's going. Yeah. But when you do something like this and you're directly impacting a child yeah. and yeah. kids, when you're directly impacting, you know exactly where your money's going from. Yeah. It's going for the future for these children. And we, and you know, we do take donations, but we don't need them. So yeah. we're not even, I'm not, we're not even asking for donations because, because it's a charter school, uh, the school gets per kid. I think it's like 9,000, 9,100 per kid that's enrolled and that covers all of our costs. That's you know, awesome. they were, they, when there was some money I raised up front for uniforms and help raise up front for uniforms and other stuff. But we had a guy who believed in our school, believed in the idea. He put up, I think it was like something like $700,000 for the building and all of that stuff, you know, and renovations of the building and all this stuff as well. So like, yeah, we, we, we're not like, and this is why I love, I love being part of nonprofits and programs where it's like, I don't have to go begging for money. Mm-hmm. You know, I like thing like, yo, I don't need you. I don't take a salary from the school. Um, my co-founder doesn't take a salary from the school. You know what I mean? And so like, you know, all that money is going to pay the teachers, the principal and going to make sure that the kids have a good curriculum, a good school building. And, and all the books and stuff that they need, you know. I love it, man. And the cool thing is, when you're when you're dead and gone, your yep. grandkids will be like, "Yeah, granddad was pretty cool, man." <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying, like, when you're 100 or something years old, 105, 106 years old. Okay, yeah. man, we're not talking about like next week. Yeah, well, they got to stay. They're gonna have a stand that they're gonna have to hold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, brother, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate all you're doing. I'm gonna definitely support everything you got going on, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you too. Thanks for having me on the show, my brother.